Adults, let's turn in our Bibles to the Old Testament book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 25, as we continue this series that we're in entitled The Journey to a New Normal. Now, those of you who've been with us, you understand what we're doing. We are paralleling the Israelites' journey from Egypt to the promised land, the land of Canaan, with this reality. You and I are used to living life in some way that we consider normal. Now, our normal gets changed every once in a while. Every once in a while, there'll be some big interruptions to our life that causes us to recalibrate, to start a new baseline. And so what we see here in the Old Testament is that God is leading the people from a normal that they had experienced for a long time. And he's leading them to a new place, a place where there are houses that they didn't have to build, vineyards they didn't have to plant. And along the way, God lays down this baseline for their life, what is to be considered their normal. And that's what we're doing is we hear all the time this new normal mentioned. I propose to you that this normal that the world's telling you about is not the normal that God intends for you to live in. He does not intend for you to live in fear. He does not intend for you to live life covered or hiding out. His normal for you is based on his loving presence and protection. And today we come to the part in the journey where God asks, he commands that an offering be brought to him. And what we see is that this offering is more than a physical presentation of something to God. That it has much more than a physical purpose, but it has a deeper, more important spiritual purpose. And so this weekend, I want us to understand the purpose and the ultimate goal of the offering and the importance this plays on our new normal. But first, let's pray. Father, thank you thank you for today. This is a challenging, but it's an exciting time to live in, to be a Christian, to have the opportunity, Father, to be stopped right where we're at and to review our life and to give account, Father, for the way that we've lived before death comes, that we would commit to you anew our lives in complete surrender to your care, your provision, and your will. We're grateful, God, that you brought us here to this church family where we can be encouraged, where we can encourage one another in the truth, and we can challenge each other in the depth of trust that comes from obedience to your commands. God, we thank you for your great grace that you show to us. You've shown it to us as a nation and to individuals who have settled in the past for much less than you. And so we turn to you now, grateful for your forgiveness and mercy asking that your blessing be restored to our land and to our hearts as we turn them to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, follow along with me, Exodus 25, beginning in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Moses is the man chosen by God to lead the people to this new normal, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. Now, if you have your own Bible or if you've borrowed one out of the seat bottom there in front of you, it's okay to write in your Bible. No matter what grandma says, it's okay as long as you're writing good things. And there's three words that I want you to circle in that statement right there. The first, the first 
is offering. The second is me. Me being God, the big G God. And the third being heart. Heart. Your heart, my heart, our soul. Now the tithe, the first fruits, the first tenth of what we've received, according to scripture, is to be offered, sacrificed, given to the Lord first. You've heard me preach before. I've often said this, that every time we get paid, we take a test. Now remember, tests are not, tests are not for the benefit of the teacher, the one allowing the test to happen. The test is for you and for me, right? When we take a test, it is to measure where we're at. And in this case, every time we get paid, we take a test. Who will we worship with the first dollar? The test, when we get paid, when we're to give that tenth, it's a test for us to see where we're at in our trust, where we're at in our obedience. And the Bible says, as we tithe, the storehouses of heaven are open to us. God provides, God protects, and in the abundance of his blessing, we what? We live. We live. Now, this isn't the first time we read of the offering. It goes all the way back to the very beginning, after the Garden of Eden. Turn with me to the first book in your Bible, to Genesis chapter 4. Just four chapters in as we see God's relationship with his people. And while you're turning there, I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you this question. If God were to say to you, if God were to audibly say to you right now, you trust me with the first 10%. You give me the first cut out of everything that you are given, the first 10%. You do that, and I will make sure that you have enough for the things that you need in life. I'll provide what you need to live, and, and you do that, and I will stand at the door to your home, and I will keep Satan out of it. Would you do it? Would you do it? Because this is exactly what God said in the Old Testament book of Malachi chapter 3. It's the last book in your Old Testament. He said, I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such blessing on you. There won't be room enough to store it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now, by the time that Malachi records these words in the history of the Israelites, we're just at the beginning of their journey, right? God's just now laying down the plan for their new normal. But when we look ahead to Malachi, we see what? We see that they have ignored God. We see that they have rejected God's commands. Not just the command to give, but many others. This is just the starting place. And what do we see? We see the same thing going on then that is going on today. God has given them life. God has given them prosperity. He has given them his presence. And they have ignored, rejected, and dismissed God over and over again. And now, in Malachi, their land is broken. Their land is a disaster. There is drought. There is famine. There is disease that had infected the people and disease that had infected the crops. And God finishes this chapter of their journey. He finishes the Old Testament with such a strong statement. 
but he also follows it with the promise. He says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? How do we rob you, God? In tithes and offerings you have stolen from me. But the promise, you put me first again, and I'll bless you. I will heal your land, and all the nations will call you blessed. God is saying, you put me first, you give up first place to me, and I'll see to it that you have everything you need. So here's the first principle of the offering. We give up, you and I, we give up in order that something else may be accomplished. We give up in order that something else may be accomplished. Now, those of you who are new to church, the gathering, new online, many times the first question, perhaps you were raised in church, and this one subject is the one that has always pushed you away for whatever reason. I want you to hear me this morning on this. Please, this is not about the church getting your money. In fact, if you feel that way, please don't give today. Let me give for you because I believe so much in that. The problem is, is I'll get the blessing and you won't. But please, please hear me. The first question that we ask is why an offering? Why money? What's it used for? Do I have to give it? Is that an Old Testament thing? Where is it in the New Testament? It's everywhere. Jesus affirmed this as much in the New Testament as God commanded it in the Old Testament. Do I get to choose how it's used? Why can't I just give the first to other organizations? Why can't I just give it to someone else? I went through a time in my life where I struggled with that. I, I thought, well, the church doesn't seem to be doing much. Maybe I'll pay this person's mortgage this month. Or, or maybe I'll give to this family that has need. And I circumvented God's command. The concept of the offering, as God commands throughout Scripture, is that the first and the best of what we've been given is to be brought to him. And you say, but been given, I'm the one who works hard for that. The Bible tells us that God is the one who gives us the ability to even produce wealth. God is the one who gives us everything that we have, just like the Israelites. Remember, they're on their way to a new normal where what? Where God's already provided houses that they wouldn't have to build, vineyards that were already planted. We're to bring the first 10% of it to God's storehouse. And you say, well, what's God's storehouse? God's storehouse today is his church. We are to give up the first and the best so that something else may be accomplished. Now, in the Old Testament, be thankful for this, that it's not this way today, but there were five general types of offerings. And underneath those five, there were layers of offerings. You might remember the burnt offering. You might remember the grain offering. You might remember the sin offering and on and on. A goat or a lamb or a bull was to be slain. What? to pay for the sin of a man or woman, a child, a household. A grain offering was, was like a first fruits offering. You'd be, bring the first and the best of the harvest. But what was it used for? What, what did it accomplish? Well, then 
then the priest was to be cared for through that offering. A portion, a small portion of the burnt offering, a small portion of the grain offering would be given to provide food for the priest, the preacher, for his family, for those in need around him. Today, the offering's brought to the church to accomplish what? The mission that we've been given, to care for the poor, to reach out to the needy, to spread the gospel around the world through the missions we support along with your pastors. Brandon's salary's huge. It takes a lot. The rest of us work for nothing. But our set income, our set income, which is very generous but yet modest compared to many, comes from the tithe. And while the offering allows much to be accomplished, here's what I want you to grab hold of. Please tune me back in for a minute. There is a deeper need in the heart of man that God accomplishes, fills through the offering. And this is what I want us to talk about. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, we see the purpose of the offering begin to play out. Little history, Adam and Eve, the created human beings that God placed in full form in the Garden of Eden, they have two children, Cain and Abel. Verse 3 says, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a rancher. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn. I want you to circle firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor, circle that word, on Abel and his offering. Who did the Lord look with favor on? Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And verse 5 says that Cain was downcast. It's like my daughter when they don't get what they want, right? Just put your head down, right? Get the pouty face. Now, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? There's a key word in there. What is it? First, the first and the best. Cain brought some. Abel brought the first. But let's just say for a moment that Cain didn't know any better when he offered the Lord his own sacrifice his own way. Isn't that what we say? I will give to the Lord whatever he tells me to give him, regardless of what his word says. I'll do it my way. I'll count this for that and we'll all be squared away. Let's say that for a moment Cain didn't know any better when he offered the Lord his own sacrifice his own way. Look at verse 5. God comes to Cain and he says, hey, what are you upset about? Hey, you do things my way, everything's going to be okay. But you don't, you don't. You don't give me the first and the best. You need to be aware sin is crouching at your door. Sin wants to have his way with you. And Cain opened the door, verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Now, why that story? Why do we have so much trouble bringing the first? Why do we have so much trouble trusting God and his command over our own ways? Because we have the heart of Cain. We, you and me, me, 
We have the heart of Cain. Now, how do we know what's in Cain's heart? Well, the Lord tells us in the little book called Jude in the back of your Bible. Jude only has one chapter. And in verse 11, in verse 11, he records, Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit in Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Who's Korah? Who is Balaam? We know who Cain is. They are three men who lived as they pleased and destroyed their own life. And all three represent these two, these two things that we struggle with today, and that is greed and rebellion. Remember, we give up in order that something else may be accomplished. So what's to be accomplished with the offering? Through the offering, listen, as God prescribes, bringing the first and the best, God's accomplishing something in you. He's accomplishing a heart change. A heart change from being greedy, self-focused, to being in alignment with his perfect plan and will. A heart that trusts him. A heart that's generous. A heart that worships him, not the things he entrusts to us. Now we began teaching our young girls the offering when they were really, really little. I remember Olivia, we would give her a dollar to take down to Clubhouse Kids with us. as before the kids would stay up here for the offering where we can teach them. And she, she would go downstairs because we found out they weren't doing a good job teaching them down there. Olivia went down there with a dollar and came home with two quarters. And she thought she had gained something. I was like, no, no, it's not about making change. But apparently they let them make change down there. Now, the second child, we've done a little bit better. We've been more specific. We sent her with a dollar, and she comes home with a five, right? She's doing really good. Here's the second principle of the offering. God is specific about what to bring because every offering has a purpose. Why the first 10%? Why the detail? Look at Exodus 25 where we started in verse 3. God says, I want you to tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. And then God says, these are the offerings you are to receive from them. And then he gives a list, a long list, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, hair from your mother-in-law. No, goat hair, I'm sorry. I got the wrong translation there. Ram skins dyed red. Sorry, there's too many mother-in-laws in the room, I can tell. <laughs> Hides of sea cows. I could have used that, but I didn't. Acacia wood. Olive oil. Just make sure you're listening. Olive oil for the light. Spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. Why did God ask for gold and, and silver and bronze and hair from your mother-in-law? Why all these gems? Why so specific? What's the purpose? Look at verse 8. Then have them make a sanctuary for me. And here's the important part. I will dwell among them. Why in Genesis chapter 3, when God required the first offering, why did he specify choose the firstborn, the first fruits, and make such a big deal out of it? Because God's ultimate purpose, friends, is for us to abide with him and him in us. And that requires a heart change. 
You see this tabernacle that God was taking up these items for Moses to build. Remember the temporary tent? So God could come and dwell with them. It later becomes a temple, a magnificent temple. Where does God abide now? Does he desire to abide in temples, in buildings? No. Where does he desire to abide? Inside of us. And so what is God doing? He's preparing that temple inside of us by us. By us giving up in order that that can be accomplished. I'm not saying you can buy him. I'm not saying it depends on how much or how little you give. I'm saying that he uses this to accomplish the change in us that is necessary for him to come and live in us. And let me make this very clear if it isn't already. God is specific about the offering we're to bring to him because he was very specific in the offering that he gave for you and me when he gave his first and his best. You knew this probably before you even came to church, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, he offered up, he sacrificed. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? His firstborn, his one and only son, the very best and the greatest gift that he could give of himself. That whoever believes in him, not whoever does enough right things, but believes and has faith in him, would what? Would not die but have everlasting life. That's the significance of it. God is so good. And so God says to Moses, you tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's what's going to be done with it. And you will receive the offering for me from each man whose heart heart prompts him to give. Here's the third principle about the offering. My offering to God is directly connected to the spiritual health of my soul. When the Bible refers to the heart, the Bible isn't talking about that mechanism that pumps blood through your body while you're temporarily here on earth. It's referring to your eternal soul. Remember, we are an eternal soul with a temporary body. Let me ask you, what does your heart, what does your soul long to give God? What does he long to give you? Last night they started shouting out from down front. This room was packed last night. It's so cool to see Saturday nights grow the way that they are. Young people everywhere, old people sleeping in their chairs in the back. It's great. <laughs> but what does your heart prompt you to give to God? What is your soul longing to give to him? I've shared with you a number of times. Some of you have heard me share this a lot of times because you've been here a long time. But I've told you that I was taught in an early age, just like my girls, I was taught in an early age to bring an offering to God. Long before I was baptized, I, I started mowing yards, and I, I've always been that way. I like to make my own money, pay my own way. And so every time I would make money mowing yards, my dad would say, hey, that's a good $10 that you made. Don't forget don't forget to give God the first tenth. In fact, don't stop at a tenth. You know, I felt kind of bad, just a dollar out of ten. I, why not make it two? Why not make it three? And that has gone on through my 
entire life with the exceptions of those times that I was foolish and I, I thought maybe I needed to control that. But as I learned at an early age to trust God with that tithe, that first 10%, I learned that his promise is true, that he provides everything that we need, that he will stand at the door of my life and he will keep Satan out. Yes, I'm tempted. Yes, I'm tempted, but I've learned to trust him more so that I don't always give in to the temptation. And it's a starting point for us, this tithing idea. Why is it a starting point? Because that's the start of the heart change that God requires. And as I grew, as I grew, I would trust him with where I would go to school. You mean you had a choice? You, you bet you have a choice where you go to school. You don't have to go to school where you get a scholarship. You don't have to play sports and give up your time in church in order to get a full ride to college. God will provide a way. I learned that at an early age. Where I would live. You mean it matters where I live? Of course it matters. Every decision that we make in life should be based on God. God, how will this move help me uh, be in alignment with your will? How will it help me as a husband? How will it help me as a church member? How will it help me in the roles that you give to me? It, 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 it helped me to learn to trust him with what I would do in life, how I would serve, what church I would be a part of, whether I would get married or not, and who I would marry, whether we would have children or not. And some of us think children just happen. They should be the result of intense prayer because children are a gift from God. They're given to us for a season. And our responsibility is to what? To point them back to him. Last night, last night, Parker Dickerson was baptized. And as Brandon shared with you in anticipation of that last week, it was the pinnacle decision of their life, the pinnacle moment. It's what they lived for. It's what they birthed him for, was to know that he would know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of his life. Most important decision Parker ever made in his young life of nine years old, forever it is. God has proved his promises true through this very simple way, and so as the bigger decisions in life come, we can trust him. Now, there are examples of amazing offerings given to God throughout history. I want to give you three of them, and, I, and, I, and there's a reason for this. King David. King David gave an offering to build the first temple. God did not allow him to build the temple. He said it would be his son that would build the temple. But David, David had the opportunity to give toward that temple. And Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 23, 14 says, converted to today's currency, King David gave $21 billion, today's dollars. Now, that's an extravagant gift. That's an extravagant gift by, by any accounting, even for a king. But by God's own words, David was a man after God's own heart. How did he get to that point of giving such an extravagant gift? The heart change of trusting God. Yes, David made some huge mistakes. He had to trust God's forgiveness for those mistakes. David, Sol David's son Solomon, who became known around the world for his wisdom. Do you remember how Solomon received his wisdom? It's a dynamic story. 
He had just been crowned king, and according to tradition, he was to sacrifice, sacrifice a bull to God as an offering. When that day came, he didn't sacrifice one bull. He sacrificed a thousand bulls. Can you, can you imagine his advisors, his advisors saying, oh, you're new to this. One bull's enough. You don't need to do a thousand. It'll be all day cleaning up that mess. A thousand bulls. And God came to him that night and said, ask anything and I'll give it to you. Do you know why God said to him, ask anything? Because his heart. Because in his heart, God saw that he knew that he would ask for the right thing. He would ask for wisdom to lead the people. He would ask for what he needed. In Luke 21, Jesus saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites, it says, into the offering chute at the temple. A poor widow with her offering of two mites, two pennies, if you will. She gave all that she had. Why did she make the list of sacrificial givers? Because Jesus looked at her and he acknowledged that it took as much faith or more faith for her to give those two mites as it did King David to give his billions. God expects us to give the first and the best. Listen, and our willingness to give and what we give is a reflection of our heart and soul. And what is God's deepest concern for? His concern is for your soul. Your soul. We give up in order that something else can be accomplished. And what we're to give up is specific because God has specific plans for every offering given. And the most important plan is that you ultimately trust God with your soul. I prompted you just a moment ago to think about that question. What is it that your soul longs to give God? David wrote, my soul yearns even faints for the presence of God. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You were created with a part of you that longs for your soul, the very core of your being, to be in alignment with God, your creator. And in Romans 12, 2, the Bible directs us, so this is what you do, God helping you. You take your everyday, ordinary life. I love the message version of this because it breaks it down. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life, and you place it before God as what? An offering. Your soul, my soul, made by God, longs for God in a dry and weary land. You and I, our life was designed and built and formatted to be offered to God first and only. Verse 3 continues. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Underline that. Oh my goodness, we're like sheep being led into a slaughter these days. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. Readily recognize what he wants from you. 
What does he want from you? And quickly respond to it. Let's stand together and let's respond. This morning I've put some words on the screen. This is an outline of what your response may look like today. This isn't one of those times where we all close our eyes and we raise our hands and we say a prayer. This is a time where you personally take all that you've received today from God's word and you decide how you're going to respond. Here are some words that help lead us through. I want you to say them with me. I understand your call in my life for an offering. That my offering to you is to be the first and the best. That it is to be brought only to you and for you. God, this is the desire of my heart. I see this now. Do you see it now? Do you see that that is what your heart has been longing for, that you've tried to fill with other things, that what God is asking for is an offering from you, your very heart and your soul, to offer you all of my being, my soul. So here I stand before you, arms held open. I'm yours. Fulfill your purpose in me. I trust you. I trust you. Father, those are big words, but you've given us little steps to take along the way to know that we can trust you. You've said one time and one time only in your word, test me in this. And with that word test is this other word that we've studied today, and that is the offering. Today, God, I pray in this room that those who have not tested you in that way would do so now. That ultimately, God, they would learn and they would experience from you what your word promises, and that is that you are present, that you are able, that you answer yes according to your will in Jesus Christ, that you give abundantly, that you forgive amazingly and that your grace and your mercy in our lives are overwhelming Lord for those of us who have already given you our heart and our soul we do it again every day we make the choice and Father we plead with you for those around us that they that they would do the same that they would know you, that they would stand, not just arms high, but hearts open, given to you. In Jesus' name, come if you'd like to make a decision today.